May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. How do you get ready to go on a trip? There can be very different approaches people take to planning, preparing, and packing for travel. And different tasks can be involved depending on the length of time of the trip, the distance to be traveled, the reason for the trip, and whether the journey will be by land, sea, air, or some combination of the three. There are people who prefer having a very detailed itinerary with reservations and schedules confirmed before setting out, and others who are fine with having a general idea of where they're going, expecting they will work out the details once they get there. There are also different ways people pack for a trip. Those who throw a few changes of clothes, a toothbrush and a toothpaste in a duffel bag, those who fill multiple suitcases with seemingly every piece of clothing, cosmetics, and shoes that they own, and others who meticulously select outfits appropriate for the activities planned for each and every day. During my childhood, our family took several summer driving vacations. Most of the time, we had very basic plans about where we were going and what we wanted to see or do. And in those days before the internet and smartphones and cars with GPS, I have fond memories of my parents, my sister and I, poring over our giant Rand Manali Road Atlas during our trip, seeing what towns and attractions were on our path and deciding as we went the places we felt like seeing that day and what motel we would stop at for the night. As much as I enjoyed that type of travel as an adult, I generally prefer making a detailed plan for a trip. The itinerary complete with lodging and dinner reservations, advanced tickets arranged for the specific attractions we're visiting, and a budget that covers the expected expenses, as well as an amount set aside in the event that something unanticipated arises during the trip. Although I know that travel always includes the risk of delays, disappointments, and unforeseen challenges, my approach is generally to do all that I can do to control every stage of the journey. My desire to manage my surroundings and minimize surprises is not limited to travel, however. I very much like to feel that I am prepared for each day, ready to handle well whatever comes my way being certain that I understand my circumstances, preferring to avoid unexpected, unwelcome surprises that bring struggle and stress. Even if you or someone whose approach is less controlling and rigid than mine may be, I don't think there are many of us that are fully comfortable venturing out into situations that are outside of our understanding, that make us feel unsettled or confused or that challenge our sense of safety and security. This is why I think there are times when the words of Jesus can sound particularly unwelcome, when his call seems unreasonable, even ridiculous, because he appears to be asking his followers to do too much, to let go of the need for control, 
to willingly take more personal risks than anybody can possibly be expected to take. This morning is one of those times. After traveling with his disciples to many cities and towns, teaching the good news of the kingdom, Jesus calls his disciples to him to send them out to share the gospel with more people in new places. They are to go out to heal people, to teach and proclaim the good news of God's kingdom wherever they go. And when they go, they are not to prepare for the journey by taking extra clothing or shoes or anything else that someone would normally pack for this kind of trip. They are to go, trusting that along the way there will be people who will provide them with what they need. And on this journey, there will be people who will welcome the disciples, but there will also be people who do not. And not only will there be people who do not welcome these bearers of good news, there will be people who imprison the disciples, who cause them physical harm, friends and family who will betray them, and many who will have hatred for them as followers of Jesus. Who signs up for this kind of trip? Well, thankfully, the 12 disciples do. Despite the fact that their initial reaction to what Jesus asks of them is probably not much different than ours may be, the disciples set out, sent out with authority given to them by Jesus. And as they travel, the disciples do encounter all that Jesus foretells, both the good and the bad. And their example can be for us an encouragement and evidence that despite how difficult being a disciple of Jesus may seem at times, it is possible, not as a result dependent on our own planning or preparation or control, but from stepping out in faith as we trust in the promise of God's enduring presence and power wherever our journey may lead. Where are we being called to go? What particular place or which different people are on our path, giving us the opportunity to share the good news of God's kingdom? Are we ready to set out in faith not being fully sure whether we will receive welcome or hatred, but willing to try rather than pull back into situations we think we can control with people who are familiar and comfortable. When we hear Jesus tell his disciples to go into the towns and villages and find out who is worthy and stay with them, who do we imagine Jesus considers worthy? Are we certain that how we define a worthy person aligns with how Jesus sees them? How faithfully uncomfortable are we ready to be as a disciple of Jesus? The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, in his book, Being Disciples, explores what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It is writing I have returned to again and again because I think he articulates well the beauty and the challenge that come with living a life that is fully shaped by faithfully following Jesus. 
He describes discipleship as being about how we live, not just the decisions we make, not just the things we believe, but a state of being. Being a disciple, according to Williams, isn't an intermittent state, but one in which we allow God-shaped change to happen to us and around us. And something caught my attention in Williams' writing as I reread it this week, and as I thought about Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners in last week's gospel, and considered the possible difference between our understanding of a person's worthiness and what Jesus means in today's reading. To be a follower of Jesus, we must be with Jesus. And that, according to Williams, means being in the company of the people whose company Jesus seeks and keeps. Jesus chooses the company of the excluded, the disreputable, the wretched, the self-hating, the poor, the diseased. So that is where we are going to find ourselves. And Williams goes on to say that our discipleship is not about choosing our company, but choosing the company of Jesus, or rather getting used to the fact of having been chosen for the company of Jesus. Choosing the company of Jesus and being chosen for the company of Jesus. There is very good news in this. When we live in this faithful way, all people can experience the fullness of God's kingdom. No one unworthy, nobody outside of abundant life, the excluded and the broken reconciled and made whole. A journey filled with remarkable, transforming God-shaped changes happening in all places and in all people. Despite this sounding like travel that might take us to a strange and unexpected destination, surely we can all be excited about joining this kind of trip. Choosing to travel with Jesus and being chosen to travel with Jesus. As we go out today and in the days ahead, may we, as in the words of our collect this morning, be kept in God's steadfast faith and love. And through God's grace, may we proclaim God's truth with boldness and minister God's justice with compassion. And may we continue our journey following Jesus in faithful discipleship wherever and however we are called to go, making room for God-shaped changes in our own life and in the lives of all people. Amen.